to Crop 28. This is Jesse. Unfortunately, I'm no longer at COP. I'm back at school in the United States, but I'm still working on some episodes, including this one, and potentially I'll do a recap episode after I'm done with all the interviews. This was another great interview, I think, with Tay Lopez. It was cool. I was just at an event with Pesticide Action Network the previous day, so it was great to hear more about that organization and Tay's work with them. So I hope you enjoy. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to Crop 28. I'm really excited today to be joined by Tay Krishna Lopez, who works is based in the Philippines and works for the Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific, which is one of the five regional hubs of that organization. So, Tay, thanks so much for joining me. Could you just introduce yourself and uh, also give a quick overview of the organization, and then we'll get into some more specific questions. Okay, hello. So, yeah, I'm Tay. I'm... Yeah, okay. So... Like you said, I'm Tay uh, Lopez from the Philippines, and uh, yeah, I work on the agroecology program of Pan Asia Pacific. So, Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific is a regional network. It's an NGO, and uh, we focus um, on food sovereignty, on agroecology, and uh, elimination of highly hazardous pesticides. So, those are the major campaigns and programs that we have and also women in agriculture so we work with a lot of um, coalitions and organizations across asia pacific uh, with rural women with uh, farmers small farmers food producers and um, also advocacy organizations so basically um, as a network uh, we connect with the uh, movements and uh, we try to create um, platforms and uh, we support through advocacies and other um, manners of campaigning for for uh, for them to you know put forward their demands, um, their aspirations, um, their um, dreams as uh, as rural peoples, and uh, yeah, to promote food sovereignty and agroecology. Thank you. So let's start uh, with that topic: food sovereignty. Um, what does food sovereignty mean to you? So food sovereignty, uh, simply put, it's just um, giving uh, or the food producers having the power over the food systems, you know, having the freedom to decide uh, the kind of food system that they want, the kind of food to produce, and also the ownership of land and resources. So basically, if uh, food sovereignty for me is farmers having their lands, and having their power to decide on which to produce, when to produce, and for whom to produce. Great, thank you. And then, um, as you're called the Pesticide Action Network, can you talk a little bit about how pesticides relate to food sovereignty, biodiversity, and also climate change? Yeah. So, food sovereignty, of course. Um, pesticides is one of the, um, say, elements of the um, existing dominant food system, which is corporate agriculture, which means uh, chemically uh, uh, chemical based agriculture so pesticides play a big role in that it's yeah um, um, because of these pesticides um, I mean it, it, it's it's dominating the whole um, it's, it's one of the most important things in for the current uh, food system to continue having pesticides and all other um, synthetic and um, 
uh, yeah, synthetic fertilizers uh, that um, kills um, not only uh, the crops, not only um, the grasses, not only pests, but all other um, like the whole ecosystem. So it's very much related to food sovereignty because food sovereignty is uh, wants to put uh, forward the kind of food system which does not need um, um, pesticide and which is also um, environment friendly. It's very much related as well to climate change because um, we know that pesticides are um, fossil fossil fuel based and so yeah it's very much interconnected. Yeah thank you and then I know another big topic that's related to this that you all focus on is land grabs so can you explain a little bit maybe for people who don't know what land grabs are and then how that impacts small farmers, rural people, indigenous people. Okay so basically we say land grabbing uh, when big corporations go to your country go to your community talk with your government and then in in so many ways in every way they can they just find that a uh, way to like get your land even talk you out of it buy you out of your land and uh, promises the government uh, incentives and all that and even uses um, state forces so that they can uh, they can take take over the land and then produce what they want to produce for the global market. So that's um, that's land grabbing. Yeah. Great, thank you. Uh, and I know this this is a big question and it's it's a huge region. But can you just give a little bit uh, for people who may not know what the agricultural system is like in the Asia Pacific region? Then you could also talk about specific countries if it's if it's too broad. But yeah. related to what what. Um, what stakeholders have the most power? Industrial uh, corporations. How much pesticides are used? Where? How? How well are smallholders represented? Just an overview. I know that's a big question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I may not have all the information, but um, basically, uh, most of the countries in Asia, in Asia Pacific, um, is um, is under yeah corporate agriculture, corporate food systems. That's why actually that's the reason why we are here at COP to forward a different to transform the food systems that's uh, dominant in Asia Pacific and actually in the global south yeah which is the corporate uh, food systems which is a food system that's dominated by corporations and like um, serves the interest of big corporations and does not really care about farmers or or um, farmers and uh, people in the rural communities and does not care about um, the environment so this is the kind of it, actually I maybe I, I can say that most of the countries in the global south experience I, I mean most of the countries in the global south is under this um, kind of food system that's why even even COP even countries um, cannot deny that uh, one of the most important um, dialogues or discussions that should that should be had in COP is about food systems that's why they're putting it in the agenda yeah because uh, yeah it's a corporate uh, food systems great thank you and so I think you said your position at um, is related to agroecology so can you talk a little bit about that and how that is better uh, for the environment how that uh, relates to smallholders rural people indigenous people so agroecology is uh, food systems which is um, socially just and um, actually economically viable um, alternative to the what I have been uh, what I have said earlier the corporate uh, food systems um, agroecology puts the farmers first and it is um, it's like it's a pathway towards food sovereignty as well so with agroecology farmers are at the center of decision making um, um, agroecology is also focusing on land reforms um, demanding for um, 
for um, landless farmers to have their lands and also because agroecology is basically it's a natural farming system so it does not hurt the environment but also it adopts um, pro-people sciences that um, enhances uh, what is already available in the natural um, uh, ecosystem so um, biodiversity is preserved is respected indigenous people's rights are respected movements are, are built to promote this uh, kind of food system so it's the exact opposite of what is the dominant uh, food system uh, yeah great thank you another thing I'm curious about we're here at COP uh, all these international organizations and I believe that two that you've been very critical of are the World Bank. I was seeing signs yesterday about keeping the World Bank out of the loss and damage funds and then also the FAO specifically with their relationship to the pesticide industry. So can you talk a little bit about those two organizations and your criticisms of them? Yeah. So uh, first, um, Pesticide Action Network um, stands with farmers and rural communities all around the world that says um, that wants to put World Bank out of the conversation. Why? Because World Bank, we know that the interest of World Bank is not for the people. The interest is not really, they don't really care about like um, achieving um, climate justice or like eradicating climate crisis. We know World Bank as it serves primarily the US and all the powerful uh, countries. So that in itself is already like we know it's been going on like for, for um, decades that World Bank's interest is not on the side of the people. That's why we oppose World Bank involvement in the loss and damage. Because why? In the in the first place, um, World Bank is part of this that's global that, that that system that power powers powerful system that caused the damages and the losses in rural communities. And why would we make them be in charge of the of the funds for loss and damages? So yeah, and FAO, um, yeah, they've been they are. Uh, I don't know I don't want to generalize or say but like we know for a fact that um, a lot of involvement there with um, like big philanthropy philanthropist organization big um, pesticides corporations and uh, like um, CGI arts there also Rockefeller Foundation is there also this um, big wigs that um, we know for sure are not serving the interests of the rural communities that's why we are against that um, kind of uh, partnership we want we demand that FAO puts the farmers interest put the rural communities interest and not the interest of those private entities Thank you. Another thing I'm really curious about for Pesticide Action Network is that I know you all really support social movements, so just curious about some of the tactics you use to organize, build power, campaign. I know you've got a very broad coalition. Um, and then also maybe after you answer that, also curious if you have any, your hub being the Asia Pacific Hub, do you have um, interactions and connections with the other uh, hubs of PAN around the world? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, um, coalition. So movement building is one, uh, uh, one strategy that we make. What does this mean? On the ground, we, for example, in the Philippines, uh, we connect with the um, peasant movements, with the landless farmers movements, with the women's movements, with the um, fisher folks movements, the, the basic sectors. Uh, we connect with them because they are, they are the ones who um, our um, say um, our vision is a world with food sovereignty so these are the main actors there so that's what we do we connect with them and then these um, movements in the Philippines uh, we also connect them with uh, movements in other countries and we build uh, for example platforms or campaigns in which we uh, which we communicate with these um, movements and if they are um, on board with us then we 
just um, kind of like um, create the platform for them to dialogue or to get together and form movements and uh, so basically um, um, Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific will not claim that we are um, doing the movement building alone but it's uh, we're very much connected to this uh, movement so that's one strategy and uh, around the world yeah because Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific is uh, one of the regional centers of Pan International which has seven centers uh, around the world so there's that's the there is like a regional coordination so there's a constant communication and um, we um, we are interconnected with the broader um, Pan International Network through mainly with the pesticides uh, elimination advocacy and the banning of pesticides the elimination of pesticides and um, also in putting forward the solutions which is for us now primarily agroecology is a solution to this um, highly hazardous pesticides yeah. great thank you and just for you personally I'm kind of curious uh, in your time working with Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific do you have one thing that you're most proud of or one biggest success and then also at the same time one thing uh, that was most disappointing uh, okay um, uh, this may sound cheesy but this is being here with uh, um, holding the banner the flag of the global people's caravan for food land and justice this is one achievement because I know we are bringing um, uh, maybe they're not physically here but we're bringing the the organizations the movements the people who are part of this uh, caravan and because I'm working with pan I'm, I'm able to to be part of uh, this kind of a campaign a global campaign so bring the flag of the global people's caravan in such international uh, platforms like this uh, to bring uh, the voices of the rural people is one achievement I think that we are I, I'm proud of it because um, I know that uh, the movements uh, wants to engage no? but don't, they also don't have the opportunity because it's very expensive to attend to this kind of uh, platform so I'm very proud to uh, at least we're able to uh, make space and to be able to come here it's one um, disappointment maybe um, a disappointment on I will talk about COP also yeah so while I'm so proud or like I'm happy that uh, we are here uh, we're speaking out uh, we're joining actions in inside COP with the civil society organization we're also very much um, I'm also very much um, frustrated and disappointed like the way it's going on like uh, like now how many hundreds of lobbyists of big corporations are here Unilever I we attended this um, this um, like talk in the plenary with Unilever and Nescafe uh, sorry Nestle and all these other corporations side by side with so-called um, farmers organizations who are led by like big you know big interest as well um, so this is also a very much um, frustrating and disappointing thing that and until now um, it feels like um, parties uh, governments are still not seeing the point and still not allowing to to see the point that hey this is what we're saying like to, to solve the climate crisis you have to actually take out those um, big uh, corporations in the conversations and a lot of Nestle is a big polluter and why, what, what are they doing here at COP? Why are they um, taking space instead of people being side by side with that plenary? Yeah, so it's kind yeah, of Yeah, definitely. Um, and I wanted to, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was the thing you just mentioned, the Global People's Caravan. I was at the event yesterday where you were talking a little bit about that. Can you explain about what that is and what you're hoping to do with that moving forward? Yeah. So Global People's Caravan for Food, Land, and Climate Justice. Um, yeah. Can I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have, because we have uh, five demands and I don't want to be 
wrong about this. <laughs> so just, uh, okay. So um, the Global People's Caravan for Food, Land, and Climate Justice is a campaign um, organized by uh, movements and organizations in the Global South, such as. Um, Pan-Asia Pacific, the People's Coalition on Food Sovereignty, Ibon International, and a lot of other grassroots organizations from different countries in Asia Pacific. And uh, we were launched, uh, we launched this campaign uh, early this year in March uh, during the Day of the Landless. Um, and then uh, we went here to, we came here to COP, in COP to actually um, push forward our demands and like uh, what we want to achieve. Um, our calls are, we have five demands. Uh, one is transform food systems away from fossil fuels towards agroecology and people's food sovereignty. So I kind of um, yeah, discussed about that. And also, yeah, end corporate monopoly over land, water, and natural resources. That's our second demand, which as I've said earlier, the dominant uh, food system and agricultural system now is like corporations um, um, taking over lands, um, ruling the resources which the people should be... Um, you know the one uh, taking over or um, because it's it's the rural peoples it's the food producers who are actually um, keeping this um, land and resources uh, safe before land grabbing before coloniz colonizers came into this um, into the communities and then third uh, polluters must pay for climate destruction so this is what I was saying like um, that's why we don't want World Bank in the loss and damage funds because we want them, we want corporations, we want polluters, big polluters to pay. And if there's World Bank there, and if there's some, um, this, uh, you know, big uh, corporations who will be is being um, protected by World Bank, so it won't, you know, it won't go anywhere. It won't uh, happen. You know? So we we demand that the polluters must pay for the destructions that they have done. And then of course. Um, we also demand to end fossil fuel dwarfs versus rural communities. Um, you may have heard um, yesterday and from um, different, um, maybe if you've read some of our um, statements, so we've been talking about one of the biggest, um, you know, uh, uh, fossil um, led, um, like, um, uh, phenomenon is, is wars. You know? And right now, there's a war going on many places in the country in the in the world i mean and then of course the rural communities are the most affected if we end the fossil fuel wars we will there will be i think um we we can uh, share you some um, there's some statistics that says like percentage of uh, of wars is uh, you know that's a big uh, percentage of fossil fuels going to war uh, for example what's happening in uh, palestine now the genocide we should end that and that's a fossil fuel war of course and then lastly um, to en ensure genuine participation of rural peoples in climate policy so like what i've said earlier like hey unilever why are you taking space there it should fao and un should should place us there instead of this uh, big corporation. So yeah, rural people should be in the forefront of this conversation because the rural people are one of the most um, significantly most affected uh, by the climate crisis. Yeah, thank you. That that's a really important uh, campaign. Those those principles are really important. Just a couple more questions. You were talking earlier about your kind of disappointment at this COP. One of the big things we had a couple of days ago was that leaders' declaration on agriculture and food systems, uh, and I saw the. And Asia Pacific already released a statement on that. Can you talk a little bit about your re your reaction to that declaration? Yeah, um, like I said, like there's WTO, there's 
WTO is responsible for a lot of um, uh, suffering, a lot of um, economic um, destabilizations or destructions in, in my country, in the Philippines, and in other um, Asian countries. So if you put WTO in this uh, conversation about food and agriculture, uh, we're losing, we're gonna lose. Okay, and then just last question, we still have about a week left of COP. So do you have any goals just either for you personally or your organization in doing your meetings, but then also what you'd like to see in any more high-level negotiations? Um, in high-level negotiations, uh, personally, I don't, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if um, the, the um, how do you call it, the conclusions, um, the decisions, uh, will be disappointing. It's not gonna be a surprise. Um, but also, I'm hoping that moving uh, forward to the next COP, like there will be uh, a lot of CSOs like us, uh, will be more um, involved and engaged and be given more spaces in these conversations. Because um, of course, this two-week conference is not the beginning and end of it all. It it, it starts like just right after COP28 it will be going on again. So we wish that um, more spaces be given to um, civil society, but also uh, we demand that agroecology is put into conversation, into the conversation, into the document, because agroecology, if they're talking about food system, agroecology is the climate solution that we're looking for. Great, thank you, and I really appreciate your time today. Just to close out, are there any more resources or things that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about or share for people who want to learn more about some of the topics we covered? Yeah. No, um, maybe I'll just um, encourage your listeners or um, to to go onto our um, website, uh, um, panap.net, or our um, caravan website, ourfoodsystems.org. Ourfoodsystems.org. Yeah. Do you want to mention the um, that petition that was you were putting yeah, out as well? Yeah. So yep, yep. So today we are submitting this. Uh, um, we had a petition with in, which includes. Um, our demands, the demands that I have uh, mentioned earlier, um, it's signed by more than 100 organizations in 26 countries all around the world, and we will be submitting it to the UN and uh, hope that they, like, if they would like even read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much thank uh, you. for talking to me. <laughs> Where? 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 Where?